1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Wow, what a week it's been. I mean, what a week it's been. We are living in just such crazy times, which is why we love the fact that you come here and you listen. Whether you listen while you're cleaning the house, while you're walking your dog, while you're grooming your dog, while you're just hanging out. We love the fact that you're listening here. I do have to apologize a little bit about the sound quality on my end. My microphone has broken and been broken for about three weeks. So it sounds a little tinny, but um, you know what? In these times, we, we can't expect things to be delivered too quickly to our homes. So I apologize for that. But you know what? When we're talking about sound, do I have a treat for you? You are going to wanna take, uh, I think you're gonna need to sit down for this and have a pencil and a piece of paper and take down some great information because I have the wonderful psychoacoustician slash sound researcher. Well, I think that's psychoacoustician as well. That's just another way of saying it. Um, And for those of you who use sound or um, know or have heard of Through A Dog's Ear, yes, that is the Joshua Leeds from Through A Dog's Ear. He is joining us today. Welcome, Joshua.
2: Thank you so much. I'm really delighted to be here with you.
1: And we also have Ali Lesnar, and she is our curriculum manager at the Victoria Stillwell Academy. She is the animal scientist. She has all the answers to all of your questions. So you are in good company here. And we're, we're here to have a conversation because, oh, my God, there's so much to talk about. But um, we are going to be talking about sound and how sound impacts your dog and how you can help relieve your dog's anxiety through sound. It's such a massive topic. So we might be doing this in two podcasts. We're going to just see where we get to. But Joshua, for people who haven't heard about Through a Dog's Ear, could you tell them a little bit about what it is?
2: I certainly can. Through a Dog's Ear is a very singular project because it's about the best of therapeutic music and sound meeting the pet world, meeting the animal world. I am somebody who has spent my entire career involved in the study and the applications of music and sound on a therapeutic level. Uh, I grew up Working within within my professional world. I grew up working with the creation of music and sound programs for neurodevelopmental clinics for human beings and these clinics were using sound therapies designed for children and adults in the autistic spectrum uh, in the developmental delays um, in the rewiring of the brain to be able to help to live a more balanced life. And from there, I started to explore what was of value to the mammalian ear of which dogs and cats are included. And from there, I brought my wisdom as a sound researcher and as a music producer into how can we use the sensory portal the auditory portal the ear as a way of being able to affect behavior and therefore health of dogs and cats and this began in 2003 and here we are in 2020 and so it's been a 17-year ride that has resulted in many many recordings that have been developed for cats and for dogs uh, it has resulted in a book of research that came out in 2008, already a little ways down the line. And it continues to evolve through my wonderful association with people like, like Victoria, Stillwell, uh, who are devoting their lives into the process of how can we bring the most cutting edge technologies To be able to help our animals share our nutsy planet. And in a nutshell, that's what through a dog's ear or through a cat's ear is about.
1: And I heard it through a dog's ear. In fact, I had I was filming my show, It's Me or the Dog. It was the first season of the American series. Or was it the second season? I forget. But we were filming in Atlanta and we were filming with some great danes and we needed one of the, the the lady liked to bring her great danes to work she worked actually in her father-in-law's company and or was it her father's company i forget but she wanted to bring her dogs and she wanted to f- have a way of calming her dogs down or or of in, encouraging them to relax when she was at work and so we found this amazing music called Through a Dog's Ear. That this this music has been specially designed to help discharge the the nervous system. And we we played this music, and my God, did we see a change? And what was what was different about this music? Why couldn't they just put the radio on or just play some classical music? Well, this music was different. It was like nothing I'd ever heard before. It was classical music. Played with one single instrument it seemed like the notes were spaced out a little bit uh, which made you feel calmer and that the frequencies were different so I want to explore this Joshua and tell people that like, the difference between through a dog's ear and just you know putting classical music on but before that I have to address the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room is uh, right now we are all living in a world that feels like it's out of control. I don't know about you, but every day it seems like there's more bad news. There's something different happening. There's this, this, now I've just heard that Europe is closing its borders to Americans because the cases of COVID here are spiking out of control. And we are on the precipice of a pandemic getting out of control. That's not, that's not my words. Those are uh, words of, um, I think the national, the, the, the health services here. So we know that animals feel a pickup on our, on our anxiety. So that's why we need to start, I feel like we we start at a place of like, what do we do? How, how is everybody feeling like this? Is everybody feeling anxious? I went out to the store today. I had to go buy some food. And thank goodness, most of the people in the store were wearing masks. But there are a couple of people that weren't. And it's become a very political, polarizing thing. You wear a mask or you don't. If you wear a mask, you're one party. If you're wearing a, not wearing a mask, it's another, especially in the United States. And I got anxious. Being around those people, I got really anxious. So, what, what do we do? How, we're, we're, this is continual anxiety. When I talk to people about stress in dogs, and I talk about chronic stress, This is when a dog has a stressful episode and the stress goes up, but then he comes back to normal and then he has another stress episode and, and his cortisol levels go up again, but then he can have a time when he goes back to normal, but then he might have another episode and another episode and each time he actually doesn't get back down to normal because then another episode happens and then another episode happens. And before you know it, this dog is suffering from chronic stress. Well, I'm going to say that a lot of us out there right now, are suffering from chronic stress because of what we are experiencing every day. I feel like now I finally understand what what will have damaging chronic stress is to our dogs and to us.
3: So discuss. Well, I think, Victoria, the first thing that comes to mind is that I and we'll just be open here, right? We wanna be open. I burst into tears yesterday working on a project for work and I was so worried about it and I thought it was all about work and I was stressed about it, which is fun to tell you as my boss, but I was thinking, what would you say to me in that moment? I think you would just think, oh my goodness, why are you so stressed about this? You know, We can get through this together, there's no need to be this stressed about it and I thought how ridiculous it was and then I thought about the fact that well, it's not really work. Like, yes, it's a little bit of work. It's a little bit of relationships. It's it's a lot about COVID and isolation, but really it's about all these things stacking on one on top of each other. So in dog training, I know Victoria knows we have this thing called trigger stacking. When dogs, you talk about that chronic stress and you talk about things piling up and not being able to calm back down. And it's not just one thing. It's one thing after another. And as a person who I'm really excited to be in this conversation, because I suffer from some noise sensitivities and I constantly feel bombarded that noise is just another thing to add to that. And so I feel like in this world that when everything feels like it's out of control and yet we're so in control because we're in a box, you know, I think about what our pets feel like in this box with us and And you said something, Victoria, that I'd like to ask more about, and maybe it's Joshua that can talk about it. But did you say discharge the nervous system? Because I don't know what that means, but my nervous system is currently very charged. Yes. So what is discharging the nervous system? I'm going
1: to let Joshua answer that because I have learned a lot from him because we also work together on various projects. So, Joshua, take it away.
2: I certainly will. Thank you. And Um, I think that uh, addressing the elephant in the room here we are we're all here because we share in common a love for animals and I think it's uh, funny to be using the metaphor that the elephant in the room is these extraordinary circumstances that we find ourselves in collectively all around the world and uh, it is one of the reasons why I'm really delighted to be here because It's too much to try to figure out and to try to handle all by ourselves. And this is really the time when it's good for us to reach out. And we reach out quite often to those that are nearest to us. And in many instances, that may be a dog or a cat. That's, I mean, our relationship with our animals is because we love these animals and our relationship To these animals is because we want to get love back from them and they are in our human environment Uh, dating back thousands and thousands of years free food easy food and here they are in our environment now eating in many instances better food than many people around the world that's a whole other conversation but as I As a planetary citizen um, living in today's world, what occurs to me is that now more than ever, the utilization of the tools that we have acquired in the course of our lives, whether or not they are tools of technology, tools of science, tools of communication, tools of faith whatever they happen to be, that this is the time for us to be able to take advantage and put these tools to work. So one of the tools that I have come across in my years and years of working as a music producer devoted to using music and sound as a way to soothe and to improve the environment for two-leggeds, four-leggeds, no-leggeds, whatever is I have discovered that there are three primary elements that we know of at this point that really, really, really make a difference and I'm sure that we could uh, get far more involved in adding to that list if we wanted to talk about what was taking place on a neurological level but but without but backing it down and making it more simple and bringing it back around to uh, to ali's question about what does it mean to discharge the nervous system and what was victoria talking about when she was speaking about what was different about this through a dog's ear classical music and it was that it's based upon three primary principles and these principles, again, came out of me standing on the shoulders of many other extraordinary people back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s who were doing research about what is the impact of sensory awareness, sensory enrichment in the pet parlance. The concept of, of resonance, entrainment, and pattern identification really goes to the heart of Ali's question. Great question about what does it mean to discharge the nervous system? We collectively now understand that certain tones, certain frequencies are going to excite the nervous system, arouse the nervous system. might be different for a dog than it is for a cat, for, for me, for you as a human being but within the framework of 10 or 20000 hertz which is a lot but nonetheless cats hearing up to 60000 hertz human beings hearing up to 20000 hertz dogs up to 40000 hertz we are still within this mélange of frequency and what we know is is that high tones tend to arouse the nervous system excite the nervous system low tones tend to discharge the nervous system. And so in the music that Victoria was talking about, if a classical piece written by Mozart or written by Bach or Beethoven or any of these phenomenal composers were up in the octaves above middle C, when we recorded them, we brought them down to the middle of the keyboard. We brought them down to the, the middle of the range because we know that that lower tones tend to um, calm the nervous system. And so in our recordings, we are very cognizant of tone. Are we high or are we low? Do we want to be exciting the nervous system or do we want to be, as I call it, discharging the nervous system, slowing down the nervous system? And for that, we're gonna use more bass frequencies or mid-range frequencies. The other two elements, very briefly, are, besides tone, is tempo. Are we going to use fast music? Or are we going to use slow music? And so in the Through a Dog's Ear recordings, we slow down the music a great deal. And quite often, we might start at a level, let's say at 120 beats per minute, but by the end of the composition, it may be at 90 beats per minute. And so we are essentially entraining training the nervous system of the listener Which, And in training, brief definition is the nervous system has got a built-in mechanism that will cause the primary pulses, brainwaves, heart rate, breath, to speed up or slow down based upon an external tempo. And so we pay a lot of attention to tempos knowing that it's like somebody getting on a train Entraining, in entrainment. In it can be looked up. Do a Google search on it for a deeper uh, exploration of the definition. By entraining, it allows us to be able to slow down the nervous system through what we're hearing in our ears. And then, of course, the final piece is about pattern. Tone, tempo, and pattern. The brain likes patterns. When it can find the pattern, it breathes a sigh of relief. When it can't find the pattern, it stays in active listening. And we're looking to put people into passive hearing when we want to relax the nervous system. So forgive if that was a long uh, uh, answer to your short question, Allie. It was a great question. And yes, this is what we do with music and sound is we use tone, tempo, and pattern.
1: This is just amazing information. And I know that our listeners are geeking out as we are over this. Let's just take a quick break, and we'll be back after this message.
0: A quick break here to get in a word from this episode's sponsor, the Victoria Stowell Academy. Are you looking for a school that can teach you how to be a professional dog trainer? Interested in adding professional dog training services to your pet business? If you've done any research about dog trainer schools, you know that there are a lot of choices these days. Some schools force you to move to where the classes are held for weeks or sometimes even months. Others only teach certain training techniques exclusively, or get bogged down in repetitive drills which work well in the lab but don't always translate to the real world. Some even focus just on games, even for more serious anxiety-based behavior issues, while others employ dangerous and outdated compulsion-based methods that are based on since disproven theories and the use of pain, intimidation, or fear. Renowned dog behavior expert Victoria Stilwell founded the Victoria Stillwell Academy for Dog Training and Behavior as an answer to one of the questions she heard most often following the success of her TV show, It's Me or the Dog. How do I become a professional dog trainer? The Victoria Stillwell Academy is founded on a simple mission, to create new generations of successful, positive dog trainers around the world. Its flagship dog trainer course teaches students how to use the latest in behavioral science to help owners and their dogs achieve results through its elite combination of its premium content taught by the best faculty, using the most state-of-the-art technological platforms with the most comprehensive curriculum and the power of the most recent advances in the science of adult learning. No other dog training school offers what BSA can in terms of the flexibility of its hybrid learning models and its refusal to compromise on the commitment to comprehensive excellence. Every dog trainer course student is paired with a personalized faculty advisor to help guide them through the course via weekly video conference office hours. And every minute of the course content is delivered through engaging instructor-led videos and accompanying learning resources. Its flexible length allows students to learn from home at their own pace, and an optional premium add-on track is available for those who want to supplement their learning with in-person intensives, local mentor shadowing, and live webinar-style cyber classes. And rather than just focusing on one training style, Dog Trainer Course students develop a comprehensive toolbox, while pledging to use only force-free, positive dog training tools and methods as professionals. VSA also teaches human psychology for effective client interaction as well as accessible and actionable business marketing and branding so that students' business can reach their fullest potential. Not to mention, VSA students graduate as certified dog trainers with the prestige of the Victoria Stowell Academy name and the power of Victoria and the Positively brand at their backs as they launch or expand their dog training businesses around the world. So if you're ready to get serious about having fun, turning your passion into your profession, and changing the world one dog at a time, the Victoria Stillwell Academy is the place for you. Enrollment coordinators are standing by to help you apply or answer any questions you may have. So visit vsdogtrainingacademy.com today and find out how the Victoria Stillwell Academy can help you chase your dreams of becoming a certified professional dog trainer. Again, that's vsdogtrainingacademy.com vsdogtrainingacademy.com, the Victoria Stillwell Academy, the future of dog training.
1: We're back with wonderful psychoacoustician, sound researcher Joshua Leeds from Through a Dog's Ear and Ali Lesnar from Victoria Stillwell Academy. We are talking about basically the impact of Through a Dog's Ear, what it is, what kind of music, and how music discharges or arouses the nervous system. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. Joshua and I have known each other for a very long time. And in fact, the Canine and Noise Phobia series came out of our discussions because I wanted to take this music and use it, develop protocols that could be used to help animals in, certain situations where they were experiencing what we call noise phobia. July the 4th is just around the corner. Here in the United States, it's American Independence Day. There will probably be less large gatherings but maybe more smaller gatherings and fireworks everywhere. That is an example of a noise that dogs can become very fearful of, can become phobic of. And so, this was something very different because before, you know, if you want to desensitize your dog, your your fire, firework phobic dog to the sound of fireworks, then, you know, the normal thing is just to get a CD that plays the sound of fireworks and play it right and play it at a very soft where it's very, very soft and the volume is way down and you do some fun things with your dog. So your dog kind of hears it, but doesn't really, but it's lots of fun's happening. And then as the dog begins to accept the sound a little bit more, then you gradually increase the volume on that sound. So the firework noise is really loud, but your dog can still play the game. And that's all very well. And that was good but I wanted to take it a step further. How could we use this incredible music that discharges the nervous system and pair it with gradual increasing the volume of these sounds that dogs were frightened of or phobic of. And that's where the, how the canine noise phobia series was born. And correct me if I'm wrong, Joshua, because, I hope that I haven't like veered off the path. But when you said something about passive hearing, there is a difference between passively hearing something and actively listening. And so in effect, what we're doing is ha- um, changing the way dogs perceive the sound from actively listen to it, listening to it to passively hearing it. As in they can still hear it, but the the it doesn't cause that, that terrible fear, that terrible phobia that happens with so many dogs that experience noise phobias of fireworks, thunderstorms, city sounds. Am I on the right track
2: there? You're 100% on the right track. And uh, following this along, let's talk a little bit about what happens with active listening versus passive hearing the mammalian brain loves patterns it's an ecological drive it's i mean when you think about it look at how much the brain has to handle it has to determine you know how the kidneys are working and it has to determine how the heart rate is beating and and then all of a sudden we have to go oh what am i thinking about and what is what is uh, what do i i need to take out the trash and today's trash day and uh and uh oh actually um, what was it that that person said to me and how do i really feel about that and and then multiply that by a million and we have that going on all of the time and so the brain is always looking for patterns and when it can find a pattern in anything it automatically goes off of the active screen and onto the passive screen so in the world of auditory it goes from active listening where i am tuned in like I hope your listeners are tuned into what it is that I'm saying because they're trying to get the pattern of what it is that I'm saying. And the minute that my voice starts to go like this and the tempo of my words start to be like this and everything just seems to just get really simple and into an ongoing tempo, then before you know it, everybody is no longer in active listening. And everybody is going into passive hearing because they have other things that they have to think about. So maybe in that little 15 second demonstration i'm able to demonstrate why it is that when i speak not only am i feel passionate about things that causes me to uh, have all kinds of volume variances and and for my tempos to be all over the map because i'm not singing a song to a to a drum rhythm i am speaking and i'm attempting to communicate and I'm feeling deeply about what it is that I'm talking about. But the net effect of that is because you can't find a pattern, you stay in active listening. And I also know as somebody who speaks a lot to audiences and conferences, or used to be conferences, that when we would do this kind of a thing, that, that if I use the tools of entrainment, then I'm going to be able to hold people's attention and so we all do that naturally, but now I'm putting the words on it so that we actually go, oh, this is what's happening. This is the reason. And so when the brain finds the pattern, it goes into passive hearing. When it goes into passive hearing, it's in a chill mode, simply put. Okay? And when we are inactive, it's because we're looking for the pattern. So if you think about music and you're listening to the music of, let's say, a, a Coltrane, and he's playing jazz that's all over the map, and you can't find the pattern in it, what ends up happening is is that you can't stop listening to it. The brain is saying, until I can get that into the little folder on my desktop, I am not going to stop until I figure it out. What is he doing? And he knew exactly what he was doing, and he was owning the brain. For people who were listening to that music, there was no way you could be there without being totally tuned into what he was doing because he was taking it out and out and out and out. And then he would decide when he would bring it back in. And so this then ties in with why fireworks are so frightening to us. We go, oh, July 4th, fireworks. We know what it is. Our dogs don't look at the calendar. They don't know what it is. And they are random, random sonic events they can't find the pattern so there's nothing we can do about that so now all of a sudden we're stuck in active mode whether or not we happen to be a four-legged or a two-legged we understand but our dogs don't understand all they know is they can't find the pattern and so what victoria and i did many years ago with the canine noise phobia series was we went That's number one, let's design a a chill space with sound. Beautiful classical music that has had tone, tempo, and pattern applied to it. re recorded with the criterion, and then in our house, when we put on this music, everybody just chills. It just gets quieter, calmer, softer, gentler. So let's play that a whole bunch. Now dogs come to acclimate, they come to associate calmness with the sounds that they're hearing. They may not be able to say, oh yeah, that's Beethoven, and that's Schumann, and that's Brahms, but we don't care whether or not they can identify the composers, that's not what is important. What they can do is they can say, we recognize the patterns in this music to the point where we go, oh, my mom, my dad, my family, my household is calm when that music is on. Then as Victoria was saying, we began very softly to introduce, let's say we're talking about fireworks. We began to introduce the sound of these random sonic events very, very quietly within the soundtrack of the calm music. And then each track, the music, the sound effects will get louder and more pronounced. But if we're doing our job, this is like a sonic inoculation. The animals are, are associating with calm, and they're going, well, uh, Allie's not jumping up and down and going nuts with this, and Victoria's not going nuts, and Joshua's not going nuts, and it must be okay. And so somehow we've now done, we've turned a little dial in the brain. We've done something here that allows them to be able to go, hmm, everybody's okay, I know it's random. I know it's weird. But everybody's okay. Then the idea is, can they handle this kind of sound without the classical music underneath it? Well, some can. Some can't. Animals, just like people, are sensitive. Animals, some animals are tuned like a Porsche. Other animals are like a Mack truck. You know, some animals can... Like, I know people who can eat anything. I happen to have a very sensitive GI system. And so, consequently, I might not be able to eat what somebody else can eat. Everybody's different. Our animals are different. And the auditory or the sensory system is tapping into the main line of how do we cope with the world. And so... If we use these tools to be able to allow each animal to find its own comfort zone of acclimation, of association. Two very important A words, acclimation, association, but we are building it through an E word, through experience and through repeated experience. And I'm going to turn it over to you.
3: So, Ali, you had something to say. I I was just going to say that I think, Joshua, that I am that Porsche that you were talking about, that I'm fine-tuned and the I look for the pattern all the time. And I'm constantly actively listening. And it bothers me when I can't find the pattern or worse, kind of what we're talking about all today is I can't control the pattern. If it's not in my control, it feels, you know, if someone else is making the noise, it stresses me out. So I know there are a lot of people that are sensitive about gum smacking, page turning, uh, popcorn eating or crunching those noises. It drives me nuts. And I'm actually, I've been going to a psychiatrist about it, but also my dog is noise sensitive and understanding my own noise sensitivities and that need for control and the anxiety has helped me understand my dogs and so i joshua i read your book through a dog's ear and as a dog trainer i I learned so much i thought i knew a lot of a lot of things about how dogs hear but it it really got me thinking from a different perspective of when my when things go off in the house like fire alarm oven microwave uh phone tv everything is controlled by me you know i am the adult in the room i control all noise and i cease all noise and klaus my dog klaus the standard poodle that's probably all he understands that's all he's ever known is that i control everything so what does he feel like when i leave or how does he feel when he can't control those noises and he's at my mercy of of oh, my dubstep music and <laughs> and my constantly sounding you know talk radio and things like that so I, I love to know Joshua or maybe Victoria from a dog training perspective of this was mind-blowing to me to think about that dogs live in this acoustic atmosphere that they cannot control and maybe they'll never find the pattern and maybe they'll never be in control and so how can we help
1: I it always it always amazes me how adaptable dogs are but um I think about that a lot. I think a lot about that question. When we rehome dogs that have been in crisis situations, whether they have been in puppy mills or dog fighting situations or any kind of situation where they suffered trauma and they've never lived in a home. A puppy mill bus that we did over a year ago now where there were over 200 German shepherds, most of them breeding and uh, breeding adults, males and females that are being kept outside. And now all of a sudden, they are being rescued and some are going to rescue and some are going straight into fosters. And these dogs are going into a home environment with all of the sounds that they can't comprehend. They've never heard before. So the sound of the, the television, the sound of the dishwasher whirring, the sound of the fridge, the, the feeling, I mean, we're talking tactile, the, 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 the air, that hot air that has been blown from the bottom of the fridge, the, the sound of the ice maker, all of these things that dogs are overwhelming. Now There's this dog called Lola, who was actually a cruelty case and was found outside a pet shop. Grace Hamlin from the Wonder Dogs helped rescue her. She went to a foster home. The foster did adopt this dog. I went to go and work with her, she's a Malinois. I could see this dog as soon as she was in the home, her ears, I mean, they're like satellite dishes anyway, especially, she's a mouse and they're pricked ears. Her ears were going, I mean, were, were like, these satellite dishes, they did not stop turning. Every single sound she reacted to. She was just, she was, it, it was and. So I often think about that. But what you said, Ali, and what I want to explore, because we're coming to the end of this podcast today, but I think we need to continue this conversation. So we're going to have a part two, is I wanted to explore a little bit more about potentially what could be going on when dogs are separated from us. Because separation anxiety is such a big problem. With so many dogs, and right now when people are going to start going back to work, you know, dogs are now so used to having people at home that we go back to work. Everyone's like, yes, but people are just going to go. They're going to feel abandoned. Is separation anxiety more than just, when is my person coming home? Is it because there is such a change in the acoustic environment? And that now the silence is deafening. To be continued. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Thank you so much, Joshua, for joining us. For Ali for joining us. You better tune in next week. Because we're going to be talking about, we're going to be exploring more about separation anxiety. We're going to be exploring a little bit about dog's perception of sound, as far as we know it. And maybe... Maybe what about what about 5G? Can can we can we talk about that? Maybe I, I, I this is all so interesting. There's just too much. Joshua, thank you so much for coming on. And um, Ali, appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Tune in next week to be continued. Be safe. Be healthy. Be happy. Take care of yourselves.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell, or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively.